etc. So as we experience the Lord through our love for Him and oneness with Him, we will gradually grow to maturity. We will be renewed in the spirit of the mind. We will be transformed in our soul so that the image of Christ is formed in each one of us. Christ will make his home in our heart and we will be saturated with the divine reality. Now in message four, on which we will intensely focus, the subject is taking Christ as our person to live the life of the one new man. And this entire message will attempt to present one crucial, decisive matter. And this one crucial, decisive matter will be the determining factor of whether we, in the Lord's recovery at the present time, will actually live out, work out, and manifest the one new man. So this involves what we call taking Christ as our person. This thought will be reinforced when I read through the outline. But I'd like to establish at the outset the body, the body of Christ, is a matter of Christ being life. But the new man is a matter of Christ being a person. So if we are to, in reality, be the body of Christ, then we must really know and experience Christ as life. And we need gradually to be able to discern the difference between our natural life in our soul and Christ as life in our spirit. Eventually, this will become more and more clear. And the sense of life will instruct us when we are about to act in our natural life or if we are one with the Lord in the flowing of his divine life. This is a requirement that on the one hand means that we open our being to receive continuously the dispensing of the divine life into our spirit, which then flows throughout our soul. On the other hand, this involves our willingness not to love our natural life, not to continue living the same as an ungodly person, but to recognize, eventually, it takes a while, what the natural life is, and to say no to it. I will turn to the Lord 
and live by the divine life. This is for the body. The one new man is a corporate person. This me, I refer to again, was an actual corporate person. The Lord was suffering persecution. When Paul was persecuting the believers, the Lord could truly say, you're persecuting me. They are part of me. So the new man, at least we can see conceptually, is a corporate person. And in order for this new man to actually come forth so that the world may see a different kind of living manifested, not just the common living of fallen human beings in the old creation, but actually see Jesus living again in a group of people there is a marvelous footnote at the beginning of Acts 28 in the recovery version. Brother Lee was really enlightened when he wrote this footnote describing Paul's living on the boat during the storm and in the shipwreck. Then the note says, this was Jesus living again. And one of his believers. That was Paul as a pattern. What the Lord is longing to see is Jesus living again corporately. In order for this to happen, we need to exercise to take Christ as our person. But I am freshly impressed and burdened with something. This will not happen. It can't happen. It'll just be words. Until we all have personally a twofold realization about our own inner being. Something has happened to us. When we believed in the Lord, the enemy would first try to prevent this from happening. But once it happens, someone gets saved, <clears throat> they believe into the Lord, then the enemy <clears throat> wants to hide from them what is actually now going on in their inner being. So right now, as I'm speaking about this, I know there is resistance. So Paul was very clear. And eventually the Lord recovered through the ministry of the age a twofold truth. There are three particular verses in the New Testament that tell us directly 
that a person, Christ himself, is in us. Romans 8.10 Christ is in you. Christ in you. Colossians 1.27 Christ in you. The hope of glory. But I want to focus on 2 Corinthians 13.5. Do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Do you not realize? What do we mean by this word realize? I would say something exists as a fact, but you're not aware of it. It's there, but you're not conscious of it. You're not aware of it. Like I gave one message, and I didn't know until after I gave the message that my tie was crooked the whole time. <laughs> Everyone knew my tie was crooked. It was a fact. But I had no awareness of it, no consciousness of it. And when either someone told me or I looked in the mirror, then I had lots of feeling. <laughs> I realized something. When we realize something, that is when a matter becomes real to us in our awareness, in our consciousness. And I read something just this morning related to this about Christ making his home in our heart. And Brother Lee says, if you would see this vision, you would be beside yourself for three days. The realization that a person, Christ himself, is in me. So the theologians, many of them, with their system, they cut off or they truncate certain truths. Although the Bible clearly says Christ is in you. They emphasize, well, Christ is a resurrected body and he's on the throne. So Christ is in you through the Holy Spirit. Or by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Professor, you're saying he's not actually in me. He's over there. But somehow through another medium, he is in me. The problem is, that's not what God says. That's your system. Jesus Christ is in you. I mentioned in a previous message that when I was 16, I'd been saved for about six weeks. 
I was alone. I just spontaneously said to myself, there's another person in me. But I couldn't advance. I had no one to help me. I had no books, ministry material that could help me. Because if someone would say, Ron, you do have another person in you, then I would say, who? Jesus Christ. Then I would ask, how can he be in me? He can be in you because he is the life-giving spirit. Then I'd want to know, where is he? Then the serving one would tell me, he's with your spirit. With my, my what? <laughs> with your spirit. Then this serving one would help me contact this person in my spirit. But I had to go through my undergraduate education, my theological education, then be detoxified and come into the Lord's recovery. And finally, someone could tell me the truth, someone who really knew that Jesus Christ is in him. So Paul says this, do you not realize among yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Okay. I cannot cause you to realize this. I can only fight for you and pray and ask the spirit of reality to make real to every one of you that Jesus Christ himself as a person is inside of you right now. We didn't simply receive a substance called eternal life. When we believed into the Son and received eternal life, God did not give us a thing called eternal life. First John 5, 11 and 12 tell us God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. So we may sincerely Honestly, agree with the word. But agreeing with the word and believing the word are not the same as seeing, as realizing, as knowing that Jesus Christ as a person is dwelling in you. So, I just look to the Lord as the spirit of reality to make this increasingly real. Otherwise, how can we take Christ as our person if we don't realize this person is in us? 
Then the second aspect of this realization also involves our own inner being. And it involves a profoundly important change that took place in us the moment we were regenerated. When we were regenerated, our human spirit was enlivened by the life-giving spirit. Christ as the life-giving spirit came into our human spirit, enlivened it, and mingled with it. Now what is the big change? And this is a major change between you and every unsaved person you encounter day by day. Outwardly, there's no difference. Inwardly, you're a very different kind of being. So here is the truth. From Genesis 2. God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. A God-created person is a soul, a living soul. So Acts says 200-plus souls were on the ship doesn't say 200 plus spirits or 200 plus bodies, but souls. Then the Old Testament says 70 plus souls went down into Egypt. So by creation, a human being is a soul, a living soul. And the life of that human being is the life in the soul. This created human being is tripartite. Body, soul, and spirit. Now this is crucial. The soul is the person. Before man fell, his soul was his person. His body and his spirit were organs used by the person. So the man could have direct contact with God by using the organ of his spirit. But he himself, as a creature, was a soul. So when sin came in and our body became the flesh and our spirit was deadened and the soul became the self, human beings continue to be souls but fallen souls which are really the self. The basic point here is that by creation, a human is a soul. The natural person is the soul 
Your soul is you as a natural person. You have a spirit as an organ and your body as an organ. But a tremendous change took place when we were regenerated. And this change took place in our spirit. Before we were born again and received the divine life, our spirit was an organ. And in most cases, was not used at all except for the function of conscience. When Christ as the life-giving spirit entered into our spirit and regenerated our spirit, our spirit became the inner man. And the soul became an organ. This is God's view. Toward the very end of his ministry, Paul is trying to encourage and comfort Timothy. He was about to witness the martyrdom of his spiritual father. And Paul's course was finished, but Timothy's was far from finished. And Paul gave him many instructions, but at the end, all he could say was, The Lord be with your spirit. The Lord, a person, is with your spirit. Grace be with you. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. But in Ephesians 3, he prays that we would be strengthened with power through God's Spirit into the inner man. So this inner man, our regenerated spirit, with Christ himself as the Spirit mingled with it, is now our real person. Christ dwelling in us, dwelling in our spirit, has made our spirit a man, the inner man. And the soul is now no longer the person. Paul said, I have been crucified. That I was the old man. The soul living all by itself. That was crucified. Now Christ is living in what Paul calls me. That me is a new me, a new creation, in whom Christ is now living. So the Lord's view, the revelation given to Paul, Paul's experience, and Brother Lee's view based upon Paul's epistles, is that something tremendous 
has happened inside of us. And we need to realize how the Lord views us. And that clashes with how we may view ourselves. Christ as life, a person came into our spirit. Now our spirit is our inner man. We saw last night, Paul could testify, Christ lives. Christ. He didn't simply say life operates. He said Christ lives. There's a person living in him. In me. So the person of the one new man, Christ himself, is now in us as the spirit, in our spirit, causing our spirit to not merely be an organ any longer, but to be our real person. Our real person is not in the soul. Whenever you see an expression of the human soul alone, you will sense that's not real. There's no reality there. There's only vanity there. So here is the actual situation that took place in all of us. We didn't know we were doing this. Christ came into our spirit. He's now with our spirit. Our spirit is our inner man. And we either didn't know this. We just didn't know it. So we went on living our daily life as if nothing had happened to us. We, we use our soul. We live in our soul. Everything is energized by the life of the soul. Until we receive some healthy teaching or the Lord enlightens us through the word, then we see the vision. Christ is in me. I realize Christ is in me. But what actually happens, and it, the length varies, actually, we have imprisoned the Lord for years. He's just in our spirit. In a sense, he humbled himself. When I was almost 16, he came into me. For a moment, I realized there was a person in me. Then it was gone. I didn't know I had a spirit. I didn't know the Lord was the spirit. I didn't know God's economy. Almost all the time, with rare times when I prayed or when I was sharing something, I lived the same as an unbeliever. With the Lord in my spirit, just there, waiting for when I would wake up, when I would realize that he is in me. That's the first step. The second step is we actually allow him to be the person living in us. We actually allow him. 
Because our soul life wants to go on living by itself. It wants to think, but it wants to think. They have its opinions, its concepts, its ideas. It wants to feel whatever it's inclined to feel. It wants to make decisions as if there were no God. There were nobody else but you. You make a decision. So there is a conflict of persons in our being. We're complicated. Much more complicated than unbelievers. They just have the human life and the satanic life. The human nature and the satanic nature. In addition to that, we have the divine life and the divine nature and another person in us. And then we're still trying to be the person. And the Lord knows mainly because we're not enlightened. Then what does it mean experientially to allow Christ to be the person living in us? We will see on the outline repeatedly we have Ephesians 3.17, that Christ makes home in your heart. Whenever we allow the Christ who is in our spirit to live in our heart and make his home in our heart, that's when he is the person living in us. If you would go through the life study of Thessalonians, Brother Lee has some unique ministry there concerning the human heart. Our heart is our representative. When you say, I love that, that's your heart. Your heart represents you. So for years, I didn't do it deliberately, but I did it. The Lord was confined in my spirit. In fact, that was a prison. I continued to live and let my heart love what it wanted, seek what it wanted, enjoy what it preferred. Then gradually the light comes. I have a spirit. I've been regenerated. My spirit is mingled with the Lord's Spirit to be one spirit. Then the light begins to come. There is a corporate person called the new man. And that is Christ living and expressed in a group of people in oneness. And that corporate person fulfills Genesis 126. And how is this person to be brought forth? Well, the person of the corporate person is Christ himself. Christ himself is in our spirit. It's when our inner man is strengthened. This is why Paul knelt down in his cell, though he was chained to a guard. And he prayed out his whole being. A prayer that's still being answered. That the Father would strengthen us with the power from Ephesians 1 into our inner man. 
so that Christ may make his home in our heart. This has to actually happen in us. Otherwise, there'll be no putting off the old man in actuality. There'll be no putting on the new man in actuality. And the Lord will have to wait for another generation. How long that will be, I don't know. So it's when Christ can make his home in my heart. This means <clears throat> I hand over to him gladly in love the ownership of my inner being, my mind, Lord, my mind. You created me with a certain kind of mind. In a sense, it's a big mind. It's very active. I want you to actually live in my mind. I want to think what you think. Have your mind become my mind. Then the emotion, the whole range of emotion, especially love. Lord, I protected this part of my being for so long. After you've been wounded enough, you just have, you've got defenses. Now you want to go here. Okay. I'd like you to live. To actually make your home in my emotion. So you can have the reality of verses that say, one member suffers, we all suffer. One member is honored, we all rejoice. Then at the deepest level, the will. So it is when we allow the Christ who is in us, in our spirit as a person, to come forth into our heart, not for a visit, but to dwell. That is when we're taking him as the person. <clears throat> and let me just use this illustration. Okay, we didn't do this willfully. But we know, when we come to a meeting or a gathering of the saints, we exercise our spirit. We sing. We pray. We try to exercise our spirit when we speak. Then we go home, and it's somewhat like this. You have a prison guard, the prisoner's in the cell, and he said, now you have some exercise time. You can come out and be outside and lift some weights, and then the alarm sounds, and you just say, it's understood, you return to your cell. And actually, this is what we did. This is what I did. And so the outcome is two lives. We're not trying to be hypocritical. This is just the situation. 
We exercise sincerely. It's not a show. We exercise our spirit. Then we just lapse into a habitual living in the natural life. We don't willfully do it. We just do it. And then the Lord, what kind of humility is this? He would say, okay, I'm, I'm back in my cell. I'm in the spirit. But I'm going to, I'm the shepherd of your soul. And I'm the overseer. I'm going to shepherd you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to minister to you until you finally let me come forth. And then we might as well give a complete picture. The sovereign Lord knows that Christ is in us, but he also knows there's a verse known as Romans 8.28, all things. So he arranges all things that work together with the indwelling Christ to make us increasingly willing to say, Lord, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender. So I'm only going to take about another 20 minutes. The outline will speak for itself. This is where the burden is. I can't cause anyone to see this. That's beyond my measure. But I'm praying for you right now as I'm standing here. I'm joining the Lord to pray for you. As others prayed for me, Lord, please cause the saints to realize that Jesus Christ is in them. You are actually in their spirit. And dear Lord, cause the saints to realize that now their soul is no longer their person. Whenever they're in the soul, they're false. They're the same as an unbeliever. So a Russian believer who lives in his soul, in his soul is the same as an ungodly atheist Russian. Same with any other country. But if we would realize our real person, the genuineness of our being, is the inner man. And the soul is the organ of expressing the person in our spirit. When a group of saints in local churches begin to exercise and live this way, the new man will come forth Amen. corporately. Amen. Not just in someone like Paul, who's the pattern. Not just in Brother Lee. The Lord doesn't want spiritual heroes as specimens. He wants a corporate person. So this is a profoundly personal matter. I cannot overreach and touch your being and say, I'm going to deal with your 
outer man, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're just in yourself, and this is your soul and your natural life. That, that doesn't work. We have all kinds of defenses when that happens. But we have to be enlightened, and we need to be willing for the Lord to show us at any given moment where I am, where I am. And sometimes I need help. For instance, I do have the gift. I have two particular gifts. One is the gift of disorientation. I can get lost anywhere effortlessly. <laughs> the second is the gift of choosing the wrong line, especially at passport control. <laughs> and, you know, and I've shared about this, that this is an opportunity to gain Christ. So here we are. My wife and I, here we are at another country at passport control, and I get the line again. And I'm edgy, but I need help from another person. Remember, this is an opportunity to gain Christ. In other words, uh, okay, I perceive you are in the old man right now. That's why you feel that way. And so I think I should remind you of your own message, okay? <laughs> and I can say truly, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I need that. So now let's go through the outline. I just have to leave the rest to the life-giving spirit of reality. For the new man, we all need to take Christ as our person. So we're defining that as allowing this person to live in us, to make his home in our heart. Christ is both the life of the body and the person of the new man. The church is the body, and this body needs Christ as life. The church is also the one new man, and this one new man needs Christ to be in him as his person. The new man is not about members, but about the person. Therefore, we all need to ask, who is my person, I or the Lord Jesus? One time in fellowship with some brothers, it was the responsibility fell on me to write a letter to someone that was opposing us. And so I wrote a draft of the letter, and the brothers read it with much discernment. And they came to a certain utterance in the letter, and this was their response. That's you. Okay, that's Ron Kangas. Okay, that part goes. That's just you coming out. We need to be willing to have this discernment between ourselves and Christ, of who is loving, who is speaking, who is doing this. In our natural man, our question is, is this right or wrong? Am I right or wrong? That's not God's question. God's question is, who is the person? Who is the person? You or the Lord? Who's the person? 
So may I ask you gently, are you willing to know who's the person? Only when we know, if we have the sense, by the inner sense, we can say like Paul, I think I have the Spirit. I think this is Christ living in me. But you're not going to say, I think this is myself. You're going to be sure. This is myself. Okay, so now you know it's yourself. So what will you do now? Will you say no to deny it? Will you take the next step and say, Lord, this person has been crucified. Apply the cross to him. I want you to come forth. Sooner or later, in the local churches, the Lord will gain sisters and brothers whose love for the Lord and for the church reaches such an extent they love him more than they love their own soul life. This will happen because the Christ in us is like this. He loved us more than he loved his soul life. So when he was on the cross, they mocked him, said, save yourself, save yourself. I worship him that he didn't save himself. He saved us. So don't try to punish yourself. Don't try to be a martyr. Don't try to be a hero. Let the Christ who loves the Father and who loves us more than he loved his soul life, to live in you, and you'll begin to have experiences. And you realize, wow, this is, the enemy was lying to me. It's not painful to deny the self. What's painful is to be in the self. So, I or the Lord Jesus. But this is not analyzing yourself. That's the self looking at itself. We just say, Lord, Lord, I bring this to you. Show me. Is this you or is this my old man? Because if it's my old man, I'm going to turn from him. If it's you, whatever you want to do, as long as it's you. When my children were junior high age and teenagers, and they were engaged in activities, you know, just as young people do for a while on their own. My concern was not first where they were. My concern was with whom they were. With what persons? If you're with such and such a person, then I know you're okay. But if you're with another kind of person, I'm very concerned. So we go on. In the one new man, the natural man has no place. We all have no place in the new man. For here Christ is all and in all. Christ is in all of us. So we all have only one person. So last Tuesday... In the prayer meeting, the English language prayer meeting, one dear brother is in the middle-aged training. Whenever he prayed, we were all clear. That was himself 
praying. No one judged him. No one uncovered him. But we all realized that's him. That's him. The body knows. The Lord is looking for the new man is when we all allow Christ to come forth and live in us. This is something we're going to learn to do little by little, day by day. The Lord knows this. Don't make up your mind. Don't make a vow to say, from now on, I'm going to live you. That is still you trying to raise your standard up to the highest level. Let's just all admit we're not good at this. Only the Lord can live this way, but we love him and we open to him and we want to learn. What God cares for is whether we live by Christ and take Christ as our person. We should not only eat Christ's riches in order to take them and assimilate them into our being, we should also allow Christ to be our person. Wow. That means our will is central. We decide. We de you decide how much Christ can live in you. He doesn't decide. He will not violate your will. He will not trample on your free will. Will you allow him to say yes? We should take Christ not only to be our life, but also to be our person. What is first is not taking Christ as our life, but taking Christ as our person. If we take Christ as our person, we will surely take him as our life. There are the verses in 1 John I quoted. If we take Christ as our person, then we will be able to grow and mature. This is the key. You give him the room to grow, you grow. Taking Christ as our person is for the growth of the new man. So we need a vision of something far, far greater than ourselves. We're touched with the desire of God's heart to have the new man living a corporate God-man life. And then we say, Lord, if it were just up to me, I don't have the heart, honestly, to do this. But I just think of the church, the church where I am, the church in Anaheim. I love the church. I love the saints. Lord, for the sake of the church, I take you as my person. All of you mothers, haven't you sacrificed again and again and again, not for yourself, for your children, for your children. Your love for your children just motivates you to do whatever you need to do to preserve them and to prepare them and to nourish them and cherish them. That's just the life in you. We need the Lord's love for the church to become our love for the church. Then this uplifts our own personal spiritual seeking to say, Lord, I love you. Yes, I want to be an overcomer. I want to be in the kingdom. But far more important than that, I want you to have the bride. Amen. I want you to have the new man. Amen. I want the desire of your heart to be fulfilled. I want to see the enemy obliterated. Amen. 
I want your kingdom to come. Then we're able to do something for a much higher purpose. Taking Christ as our life. Okay, taking Christ as our person is for the growth of the new man. Taking Christ as our life is for the increase of the measure of the stature of the body. Roman 2. When we live our life by taking Christ as our person, especially in making decisions, our living will be the living of the new man. So this section will emphasize making decisions. This is when our person is the strongest in action. And I would just appeal, especially to the young and to the young adults, please, don't make any major decision apart from the Lord. And eventually, I would ask, please, don't make any decision that would be injurious or damaging to the church as the one new man. You're a member of the body. What you do, what you decide, will affect the body, the decisions you make, the person whom you decide to marry, the job which you decide to take, the place where you decide to live, so many things. Yes, they are your personal decisions, but if you realize, I'm not living for myself. I'm part of a corporate person. I'm a member of the body. I was once with a middle-aged married couple, and they were facing a very complicated and difficult situation and wanted guidance. And I didn't have anything to say. I didn't have the wisdom. I could only urge them to pray like this. Lord, cause me to do what is best for the body. In this deeply personal matter involving our life together, Lord, cause me to do what is best for the body. Whereas the body is for moving, the new man is for living, and 80 to 90% of our living is in making decisions. In the new man, we take Christ as our person to make plans and to decide how we should live. We need to make plans, we have to be prudent. The young, you're living in the future, right? You're living in the future. Right now you're preparing to live in the future. you got lots of plans. Well, is the Lord in your plans? Are you one with the Lord? Will you let his plan be yours? If, we, if in the new man we take Christ as our person to make plans and to decide how we should live, if we take Christ as our person, we will not decide anything in our life by ourselves. So we had the verse from Philemon. Paul had the authority. Philemon owed his soul to him. He, through him they were all saved. He said, I won't do this without your fellowship, without your permission. I have the authority to do it. I won't do this without you, without your feeling. Onesimus is like my heart. He's my spiritual child. 
I need him with me, but I won't keep him here. I won't do anything that you're not peaceful about. I won't make this decision by you. This is caring for the one new man. Once we see that we are part of the one new man, we will not be able to decide things merely by ourselves. You just can't. When it, I'm, I'm only going to be general here for the proper covering of the one involved. But my decision about getting married again and how the wedding meeting would be was absolutely a decision of the one new man. And I fellowship with other brothers, I fellowship with the elders in Anaheim, and I just handed over to the church in Anaheim, you take care of the whole wedding meeting. That's all I ask for, that's all we ask for, is simplicity and that Christ would be the center. Amen. So they made all the arrangements. And the body rejoices. People who don't even know my dear wife, they just rejoice. Because this is something made in the new man, for the new man, for the bride. That's why at the wedding meeting, she suggested that we write a hymn. So a dear sister, a musician in Russia, in Russia wrote the melody. And the Lord led us to write the words, and in a non-existent key, we sang it to the Lord. This is a hymn of the bride. The wedding, the marriage, it's not focused on us. This is for the body, for the new man, for the bride. Yet, there really is the blessing. So as someone who is not young, I've never been happier in my whole life. <laughs> because we're not living for ourselves anymore. Okay. Since we are part of the new man, our decisions and our living should not be ours. They should be the decisions and the living of the corporate new man. The living of the new man is a corporate living. Therefore, our decisions are corporate decisions and not our personal decisions. This does not mean we interfere with others' lives, we tell them what to do. No, no. We're all under the headship of Christ. You come to us and ask what to do. We're not going to tell you what to do. That's not the point. The point is that you realize you're part of something corporate. Yes, it's a very personal matter. When I, when I was entered, when I saw a couple, a widow and a widower, when I saw them the other night and heard that they're engaged, my whole being rejoices. Not just for them. This will be a blessing to the church, to the body, to the new man. What a way to live. And then we just summarize by reading these verses, and we conclude, the Apostle Paul is a pattern of taking Christ as our person. It pleased God to reveal his Son in me. That's the beginning. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
but it is Christ who lives in me. My children, with whom I travail again in birth, until Christ is formed in you. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now we express him. That Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. God is my witness. How I long after you all in the inward parts of Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. For also what I have forgiven, if I have, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your sake in the person of Christ, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, not by us, in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So Paul's experience began with the Son revealed in him, Christ living in him, Christ formed in him, putting on Christ, Christ making his home in our heart, living in the inward parts of Christ, the mind of Christ being in him, doing everything in the person of Christ, and then walking according to the mingled spirit. So may the Lord have mercy on us and just visit us tenderly and love where we are and then motivate us and enlighten us and cause us to realize Christ is in us. And now our spirit is our inner man. My brothers and sisters, May the Father of glory strengthen you with power through his spirit into the inner man so that Christ may make his home in your hearts for the building up of the body, the manifestation of the one new man, the preparation of the bride, and the coming of the king of glory with his kingdom. Praise the Lord that we're alive at this moment in the Lord's recovery. The goal of his recovery is to recover the one new man. Amen. Let's take a minute to pray for this. Then we'll have 10 or 12 minutes for some, some confirming sharing. We want to honor the time for the sake of the serving ones, okay? So pray for a minute, please. Then let's have 10 or 12 share something for us. Amen.